Hi, I'm Ray Moser. I'm the founder and retired partner of Moser Tabata. Today, I will share some interesting ideas about business development for IP lawyers, and you are listening to IP Fridays. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 105 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guests are Ray Moser and Doris Spieltenner, and we will talk about business development for IP lawyers. But before we jump into the interview, I want to mention that WIPO, the World Intellectual Property Office, has launched a new IP portal harmonizing all the different online services provided by WIPO, for example, um, harmonizing the login details for the different services and also the user interfaces. And especially you may have a look at the new PatentScope user interface, which is quite interesting to use and there are some very interesting new features. And one feature that is very interesting for me particularly, I'm a chemist by training, you can now search chemical substructures. Also, the European Patent Office has just published a new study where they find that intellectual property rights strongly benefit the European economy. Industries that make intensive use of intellectual property rights, IPR, such as patents, trademarks, industrial designs and copyright, generate 45% of the GDP, a total of 6.6 trillion euros in the EU annually, and account for 63 million jobs, 29% of all jobs. And in the period under review, 2014 to 2016, employment in IPR-intensive industries grew by 1.3 million jobs, while total employment in the EU declined slightly. And accordingly, IPR-intensive industries pay significantly higher wages, on average 47% more than other sectors, with the figure rising to 72% for patent-intensive industries. But now let's jump into the interview. And for full disclosure, this episode is generously supported by CPA Global, and they have provided me with a free trial account for a couple of research tools so I could have a look before the interview. They have not provided us with any payment whatsoever, so this is just for full disclosure. Let's jump into the interview. I'm very excited to have two guests today. First, we have Ray Moser. Ray Moser is a retired partner of Moser Tabuada, and he also learned a lot about client development and business development, and he will share his favorite secrets today. And then we have Doris Spieltenner, director at CPA Global. She originally comes from, he has an education from Vienna, but then she 
founded a very useful patent research tool, Ambersight, which I also used quite a bit. And after that, she was managing director of practice inside, and now she's handling all the uh, everything around two, mainly two products, namely filing analytics and Citation Eagle. So thank you very much for being on the show, both of you. You're welcome. Pleasure. So, Ray, uh, let's start with you. Um, you want maybe to first tell us what, what business development looked like for you in the beginning and how you evolved and, and uh, what are the really profitable ways to market your practice or what were the very profitable ways to market your practice? Like, what did you find useful developing business? Yes. Uh, thanks for having me, Rolf. This is... Uh interesting topic to me. I've, I've started two firms, so I've gone through this twice trying to grow an IP practice. And in, uh, in 94, we um, started out with just a couple, of, a couple of partners and two part-time secretaries. And from there, I've uh, started developing the business by mostly direct advertising and just trying to get our name out there um, to attract new clients. And uh, We, we did that by you know, direct mail, um, going to a lot of trade shows, um, trying to find a differentiator that we could bring to clients, explain to them why we were different. Uh, my partner had this, this bright idea of sending uh, pencils with our logo and name on them with a little tagline about something about the pencil. But um, complete fail. Uh, because it turns out that if you put pencils in envelopes and you run them through the postage machine, at the post <laughs> they scan the addresses, they push the pencil right out. So a lot of people got yeah. envelopes with a hole in the envelope and no pencil. And the letter made absolutely no sense. So in one way, it, was, it, was, it, it didn't work. But we did get a lot of calls saying, was there supposed to be a pencil in here? So it, was, it, it, it did lead to some business, but it wasn't as effective as we thought it would be. Uh, and so, and we've done other advertising like magazines and things to get our name out. But um, with magazines and other, those sort of direct prospective client contacts, you have to be very aware of the ethics rules in your state if you're in the U.S. Um, because those ethic rules do uh, limit what sort of advertising you can do and how you have to label your advertising as legal advertising. And you don't want to cross those ethical boundaries, which can lead to real problems. Um, other ways that we've uh, handled our, our IP development or our business development um, is, is through reciprocity. We do uh, work looking for other law firms and, uh, and agents around the world to send us work in exchange for us sending them work. Um, traditionally in the U.S., a lot of the business development is done by just having uh, your clients refer you to another client. I, I think that's probably the absolute best business development you can have because then the lead is definitely hot because your client knows that this prospective client is looking for a new IP lawyer. And when they do that, um, When they, do, when they do that referral, then you have an automatic uh, support to your practice that they're going to tell the prospective client, could you, that's a, that's a superb way to spread the word. We try to, we try to talk to our clients to encourage them to um, tell others about our service uh, so that they, they will refer us to 
uh, other prospective clients. So I have a question about this. Um, so when you, at what point of time do you ask your clients to talk about you to other companies in their field? Is that like after you won a case or every year or do you, how do you do that? I think that just comes up in natural conversation. I, right. I, you, know, you don't walk in on the first day and say, oh, and by the way, you no. refer. <laughs> so you, you want to you have, have a little bit of a track record with them that you've been doing good work. And right. on those occasions when they're patting you on the head and telling you, you know, you did a great job, that's when you can say, oh, and by the way, you know, if you have an opportunity to do this, we'd really uh, love for you to um, refer us. We also ask our clients to be references so that when we do have a prospective client to talk to, we can tell them, hey, if, if you're thinking about using us, we can send you uh, three or four references and you can call them. And we try to line them up the size of the company. So if it's a, if it's a large prospective client, we want to line them up with in-house counsel and one of our large clients so they, they can have a conversation about the type of work. That yes, that's uh, also very important, I have the feeling. Um, so you talked about um, reciprocity. Um, a lot of the work, uh, at least in, in my, um, what, what I did so far, is the reciprocity often works like this. You go to these real big uh, events like the INTA meeting or APLA meeting or AIPPI meeting or whatever, and then you meet all your colleagues from all over the world, and then you talk about all the cases you exchanged the last year, and then you see whether the, the ratio is still okay or not or so. But um, did you also do that, or how did you start with this kind of business development with reciprocity? Yes, when there was a time when we hardly did any uh, inbound uh, non-U.S. work, so where a uh, agent in another country would have a PCT application that they filed there that they need to national file in the U.S., um, for a very long time, we, we didn't do a lot of that work. We were sending a lot of work out my clients file all over the world, but we weren't doing inbound work. And then when we started looking for people to do reciprocity with, um, it's a difficult process because you, you really want to be focused on people that actually have work to send you. Because if you're sending it to, in a lot of cases, you're sending it to you know, Uruguay, there's not going to be a lot of Uruguayan companies filing in the US. And so you, know, you want to make sure that who you're dealing with has the work to actually send back to you. And, you know, in the, in the early days, you, you would just search the patent office and try to find what agents were doing what work and, um, and try to focus on the ones that had the largest book of business. Right. Difficult and time-consuming. Mm -hmm. And you also were flying from one meeting to another and meeting all these people in person and these kinds of things? Yes. Um, yes, and 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 with a complete uh, unfocused agenda, people would right. send you send you email, and they say, "Would you like to have a meeting?" And you would just go and meet with them, not knowing you know what their business was like, how how many cases they actually had had available to file in the U.S. Um, right. That so you you waste a lot. In the beginning, we were wasting a lot of time talking to a lot of people that had no work for reciprocity at all, and. Um, for us, you know, the travel is very expensive, and if you want to cover a lot of turf, you have to send multiple right. people. So, 
it's just you know it's a very inefficient way to go about doing the business right i think we'll talk about this topic also later but first i want to maybe um segue to doris because she also uh, knows about business development from the other side of the from a completely other perspective a tool vendor side and she has also uh, developed tools that help with um business development so maybe uh, first of all thanks again for being on the show doris <laughs> uh, yeah, and and uh, you are a founder of amberside which is basically you you had this first idea of this product and then you got it into market and then you had to market it maybe Uh, I would be really, as a user of Emberside, I would really be interested in uh, like a very brief history of Emberside. Like, how, what, uh, like when, when, when was the idea for the tool and how long did it take until you were able to really put it onto the market and how did you market it? And um, yeah, maybe yeah. just very briefly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, I mean, probably I had the idea 10 years ago when, you know, And, and I had no idea about the IP industry or patents really, but sort of had developed an approach in network analytics and sort of data analytics and, and thought that actually the, you know, sort of patent industry uh, or patent search tools, you know, more could be done with, with the data and so, you know, sort of developed a prototype or a first approach and then actually worked with a patent attorney at Foley and Lardner, um She's a partner uh, in the uh, in the biospace, and so yeah. So we had a, a a publication in in Nature, you know, Nature Biotechnology, the magazine, and so that felt pretty good at the time, and sort of propelled us, you know, propelled me forward to then develop the tool. And you know, first it was sort of more of a, a service to corporations and, and law firms. But sort of over time, we then you know developed. Uh, Emberside as a you know patent search platform and and um, you know really in terms of business development uh, it it sort of you know there, there there were a few industry conferences that um, you know I would go to and sort of um, showcase the tool there sort of um, you know managed to get talks um, at these conferences and then also have. Um, you know, sometimes choose certain topics of interest. For example, choose Alzheimer's as a sort of um, a, a space. So Alzheimer's or or biofuel or security, other things, and then you know, sort of do patent landscape studies and things like that, and sort of pique the interest of the media. Or, for example, you know, write about the smartphone wars and things like that, and so that pique the interest of 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 magazines and, and journalists and sort of really helped us to, to sort of, yeah, through that promote Ember site. So mostly, yeah, you know, me media coverage like that as well as conferences helped with the business development for Ember site. And then later with, you know, looking at the, looking at tool, you know, when I became the, the general manager at Practice Insight, it was actually, it opened a whole, sort of new different worlds to me that, you know, there would even be a tool, <laughs> you know, that would help patent attorneys with business development. And initially I was like, well, why would they need that? <laughs> and, and it was interesting, you know, what, what Ray said, it's, it's um, 
you know, the IP world is is very different. I mean, if you you know, um, if you look at it from the perspective of uh, of a of a lawyer, and I remember because one you know one of the shareholders in Emberside is a is an IP law firm, and they were always very careful in in you know in what they you know if I would put out a a marketing message or something that was perceived too salesy, you know, they, you could just see that they would, you know, start to sweat <laughs> because, yeah. because, because, you know, marketing and sales are sort of still, you know, and, and soliciting services is, sort of, is still a bit of a dead, dirty word or like a, you know, just something people, you know, patent attorneys don't feel comfortable with. And so with, with filing analytics, you know, being a tool that helps patent attorneys with business development, we were very careful in, in, you know, what words we would choose in the collateral, in the marketing collateral, such that we would not, you know, push people away or offend anyone or make people feel uncomfortable um, because it was sort of like a, a secret weapon, but it was almost like patent attorneys were, you know, they wouldn't publicly talk about actually using the tool <laughs> initially. So it was only, it was sort of only, you know, after, you know, sort of we, we got a bit more broader coverage and, and more and more people started to use it that, that, that people would tell their associates in other countries that there was this tool that they were using, you know. And, and so in the initial marketing materials, it's funny because, you know, Ray mentions reciprocity. We would not even, um, because again, you know, Practice Insight wasn't owned by, by a law firm group. Like we would, we were advised to not use words like reciprocity or things like that, even in the marketing materials. <laughs> so, mm. You know, and, and, and I have to, to say, like, it changed over, over the years. But, but, um, but, yeah, so, you know, you would sort of dread carefully, I, you know, I guess, or, or, or respect, you know, um, the, you know, people taking a more careful approach to business development. Um, I, I think we will talk about the, this tool um, uh, later in today. But um, first, I want to pick your brain about, uh, you, you have talked a lot about when marketing this new product, the uh, filing analytics or so Citation Eagle or so, you've talked to the marketing people within the patent law firms and um, you maybe have a very good overview of like what are the the biggest top deficiencies of the people who are doing the business development within the larger patent law firms or also smaller patent law firms? What are the biggest mm -hmm. mistakes they are making? Um, maybe, yeah, you can elaborate on this a little bit so people learn from other people's yeah. mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think... I mean, I think it's funny because because you know, as a, I mean, the the the, the development that that IP law firms would have dedicated business development or marketing people on staff is actually you know rather recent, I should say, and and you know, at CPA Global we did a uh, a survey last year and sort of you know, we found that about fifty percent of of the law firms would have a dedicated person doing the, the business development, which doesn't mean that they would have a, you know, a, a title that would say business development or marketing, but it just meant that 
you know, they have a dedicated person. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, if you're an IP lawyer and you enter the profession, um, you learn everything about the legal and IP side of things. And, and along with that, you know, you might have a technical science background, you might, you know, engineering of sorts that people bring. But so then, you know, as these people rise from associate to partner and, you know, so you're, you're then meant to start going out and do business development without ever actually having learned how to do that. And um, so that can be quite, um, you know, quite difficult for a lot of, for a lot of people. And um, especially, you know, if you have more of an engineering, maybe potentially introvert you know, personality and, and um, so, so probably the business development side doesn't come natural to a lot of attorneys. I mean, there's, there's clearly, you know, some um, and, and, and often law firms know who to send to the conferences that Ray mentioned, you know, where, you know, um, you know, some people are doing really well at mingling and talking to other people and developing the business naturally, but it doesn't come natural to everyone. Um, but so what, what I'd like to say, though, is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the attorneys do have, especially with the, you know, attention to detail, there, there are, you know, there are opportunities for, for the business development people at law firms or the, the, the partners who are doing the business development, you know, given that, you know, there's a positive. And so the positive side is that in the IP industry, you have a lot of um, data available and it's it's rather transparent compared to other industries and so if, if you have attention to to detail you know it actually works in your favor that you know there's a lot of data that you can analyze and look into and then you know work with the data to take a more strategic and targeted approach to you know identifying leads and then qualifying these leads Right. Um, so I think that's And then the, so, the, the other point is, sorry, just to say, it's like, you know, what Ray mentioned before is the reciprocity. So basically to, to you know, if you, if you go and sell any other goods, um, you know, all you sell is your, your, your time. Um, but as, a, as an attorney, if you, if you can actually offer cases. So it's like you can, you can, you know, you can, Barter. <laughs> you can say, I send you cases, you send me cases. So literally, you have something to give. And that's sort of a, an additional thing that you can, you know, put on the table and that can help you as an attorney with the business development. So actually, I think that, that really works in the favor of being in this position. So, um, yeah, I had asked you, like, what are the, the top deficiencies? What are the top top things that are people doing wrong. <laughs> so uh, let's say um, the problem can be that people are, are sending the wrong people to conferences, for example, the, the more introverted people that are maybe not so yeah. good at mingling, but mingling can be learned. So, <laughs> and also yeah. that, that the companies, the larger patent law firms or smaller patent law firms, they don't really make good use of the big data available and they are already very helpful tools and we talk about that for sure um but right right to to ray um you have um you have really had a long journey from starting your career to having built a very successful practice with lots of different business tools or business development tools um 
and you mentioned a couple of them that were not so helpful and some that were very helpful. What what do you think are the like the most effective three topmost most effective business tra strategies for IP lawyers to get new clients? Well, <clears throat> as I mentioned earlier, I, I think referrals are like number one. I mean, that's that's like the golden way to get a new client. It comes pre-qualified. It's a hot lead. You know they want to hire somebody new. So that one's at the, always at the top of the list. Um, next, I think, as, as far as strategies go, uh, networking is key. Um, it's how you get your name out into the, into the business community, um, both with lawyers, because we talked a little bit about legal conferences with INTA, AIPLA, IPO, AIPPI, and so on. There are many, many others. Um, but when you're there, you're talking, usually talking to other lawyers, and that, that's good for the reciprocity part, but not good for the direct client contact. There are some um, prospective clients at these meetings that are in-house counsel, but for the most part, it's lawyers talking to lawyers. Um, we like to go to a lot of tech conferences so that we're working on, you know, IEEE-type conferences or local um, tech support groups. And, and visit those conferences because there you're going to meet the small, smaller and startup companies that are truly looking for someone to guide them on their IP strategy. And so I think, you know, that's a, that's a good place to look. And then, um, and then the last one, uh, the third one would be reciprocity where we're, we're actually talking to non-US agents at these legal conferences and trying to build business. But in doing that, um, as, as Doris had, had mentioned, I mean, there, there's a lot of data out there that just mm -hmm. need to go through to figure out, like, who's the best one to talk to. Uh, reciprocity, you can, you can talk to a lot of people and get absolutely no work. Um, and so it's a to do it effectively and to limit the number of people that you have at these shows, you really need to use some tools to understand exactly who's there what kind of work they have and whether their work is available for you to do. Because right. you know, I'm looking at this from a U.S. perspective. Many companies and agents around the world file in the U.S. for sure. Um, but if I'm, if I'm in Brazil, you know, I still want that reciprocity work. I need to focus on those uh, attorneys that have work that flows into Brazil. Because I, you know, otherwise, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking to people that have just no work for me. So um, what uh, tools do you use to track the reciprocity or to find out potential interesting law firms outside your leg legislation, outside the U.S.? Okay, so here's like the deep, dark secrets that I... That, this is why, <laughs> when, when Doris says that, that attorneys weren't talking about filing analytics, it's because we don't want our competition to know about it. Uh, uh, we do two things. <laughs> Let me start there. One is we maintain a database of workflow. So we know where our work goes out and what work is coming back. We also have a, a contact management system. So we uh, look at all that data on who we contacted and who's, who, who has not responded and things. But then in using a tool like filing analytics, um, I, I, The, the first time I was introduced to this, a friend of mine um, put an iPad in front of me and said, check this out. And I just started playing around with it. Next thing I knew, like an hour had gone by and I turned to him and I just said, this is like crack for IP attorneys. You cannot get enough. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, uh, I mean, I use it nonstop now. 
And so what it provides is it goes into the databases um, that are available, and there's all sorts of data out there on who files applications, when they file applications, what's available to be filed in your country, what's pending that's going to be filed in your country. Soon, filing volumes by client, prospective client, and also by agent. Um, and so when you, when you go in and when you're using filing analytics, you can look up a particular uh, firm, company, um, mm -hmm. and see what they're filing and what technologies they focus on. Um, you can also look at agents and where those agents are filing and what law firms they're using, um, because then we can gauge whether that agent and client is price sensitive or not, because certain law firms they're using in the U.S. may be very large law firms that we know are expensive, and we can approach them with a, with a pitch that we can save them money. Um, in other cases, they'll be using smaller law firms, and we knew they're price sensitive, and they're, they're looking to keep their costs under control. And so we'll, we'll you know, focus on them as well with a different message. So, so it's useful for us to guide our messaging. Um, it also, uh, uh, when you're having a conversation or about to have a conversation, you get invited to a meeting, I can go and look that agent up, know which clients they are supporting, so I can look for conflict issues. I can also look at their filing volumes to know that they are worth talking to. Um, that they do have the volume to send to us if we do get it to a reciprocal relationship with them. And right. also, it, I can look at what the work availability is like to see what their future filings into the U.S. will be so I can gauge what new work will be available and also make it so that if I don't get reciprocal work, I can look in filing analytics, see that they have a pool of applications that are due for national phase filing in the U.S., and they haven't sent any, I can contact and say, could you set a few of those aside for me? Uh, right, and you can so even find out, like, if they didn't send you the work, you can find out where, did, where, where they did send the work. <laughs> and then in our next meeting, we'll have a conversation about why we're not getting the work and why it's going to this other firm. And, and there may right. be you know, information there that I just don't know. They right. may, it may be price sensitivity. It may be that the client drives them to, to use just that one law firm. And then the conversation is, well, how do we get into that mix to be able to talk to the client directly to convince them that we're a better place to send work to than the firm they're using now? Exactly. Right. Yeah, very useful. Um, Doris, um, Ray just really talked about... Uh, filing analytics and he seems to be really a big fan <laughs> of your product <laughs> and you were uh, of course managing director of the of the company who, who developed this product and um, that's why we have you on the show <laughs> because that that uh, was probably a good idea if, if Ray was a big fan of the product maybe to have mm -hmm. also the person on the show who really knows a lot about the product um, besides Ray of course so maybe Uh, you you were very generous and gave me uh, some test account to play with the tool, but uh, you are much more of an expert than I am now. So maybe Ray already mentioned a couple of scenarios where this tool can be used, but maybe give us a short idea like where where did you have the idea to, to develop this tool and how did you market this tool and and what other cool features are there in this tool 
to that maybe yeah. waste pot. <laughs> Look, actually, I can't take the flowers for developing the tool. That was um, it was actually developed by Tom, Thomas Haynes. He's a, a patent attorney based out of um, uh, uh, Western Australia in, in you know in, in, in Australia. Um, so, but so so I think his his story is interesting to make a case in point. So so you know he he was a partner in a small IP law firm in Australia and and sort of struggled to get transparency on on who's sending cases to whom. And then of course Australia, unlike the US or Germany, is a secondary market, and so really you know uh, reciprocity or attracting cases is a big thing and so then Tom developed this tool and initially gave it away for free and said I give you this tool big law firm in Japan or big law firm in China if in return you send me cases wow, <laughs> so, so that was the, 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 the history the history of it um, but so so, so I'd like to talk about it by you know you said before what are you know the the, the law firm doing wrong or the business developers doing wrong in the law firms and and you know we can see what's going wrong by looking at the data and and um, you know we can see by looking at the data that some of the law firms are not really don't have a very optimized agent network and I would say that you know the the the, the number one use case is to really help a law firm optimize their existing agent like either build it or or optimize it and and so you know let's say you're a large firm then maybe your problem is not that you're not getting enough work but it's more like you know you might have 30 partners running around everybody has their their you know legacy relationships with attorneys in other countries and that's where they send their work but so if you look at the profile of a whole law firm you often see that they have 40, 50 different relationships into the one country. And so um, really what filing analytics can do is to help the law firm streamline this. So look at who's really sending us cases back, where are we sending cases, and rather, rather than entertain 40 relationships with 40 firms in Germany or EP, you know, you can bring that down to 10 and or five and negotiate much better rates figure out you know where you can get the best deal um and sort of yeah sort of you know develop a profile like that and as ray said um you know you might have and, and larger firms especially will have or you can see it in your ipms tool like Improtech or whatever you may know we're sending 10 cases to that firm and they send us 15 back. But what you don't know is how many cases they have sent to your competitor and whether they have been truthful, you know, telling you that their work has dried up. But in fact, you know, you can see that maybe they have started to redirect those Apple cases to another European law firm. So, so it's basically you can sort of test you know, you can you can optimize, streamline, bring it down, negotiate better rates, and you can also test whether your agents are you know telling you the truth really. Um, so that's the first part I would say, like you know, get a good X-ray and optimize. Um, 
the, the second use case, and, and one of the patent attorneys I was working with, he would always say, like, we need filing analytics because our attorneys are flying around like blowflies, costing, you know, it costs us a lot of money, you know, have people fly to, you know, different countries for those business trips and, you know, expense a lot. And, and often we don't get a good return on investment. And so... So really what filing analytics helps you to do, and, and Ray talked about that as well, is you know, to, to really make every trip, every business trip, every meeting count. So whether you try and build your, your business locally or internationally, filing analytics has a feature which is called Map Explorer, and it, it works a bit like Google Maps. So you can pull up, you know, if you have an office in San Francisco, you can pull up the Bay Area, and if you're specialized in biotech, you can say, like, show me all of the biotech companies, you know, that have had, had an increase in filings in the Bay Area, um, you know, and, and show me who they are using, like which other law firms they're using. And then you, you would see, for example, if they are, you know, either they are loyal, so they might tell you you can't really access that corporate, but it might show you that they're using different law firms um, and maybe their main law firm has been losing business, so that would suggest that they're up, you know, in the market <laughs> for you to, you know, try and target them. Um, and so, you know, or you you might, you know, plan a trip to to Seoul to Korea, and rather than just go there and work through your um, database of, of of contacts, you know, you might really figure out who the top five law firms or the top five corporates that self-file and 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 make the call themselves, where you have inside counsel decide. Like, you know, you, you get a list of actual good targets and work your way through. Um, and then, I guess the third, you know, pain point or usage scenario is is is, is that you know. Attorneys work so hard to build those relationships, so it's really painful to lose business. And so, what we found is a lot of the business that firms lose is sort of silent attrition, either because the the law firm starts self-filing and moves more cases in-house, or um, because maybe a partner left and took business with them, or yeah, it's sort of what we refer to as silent attrition. And so we've built uh, a watch and alert service into filing analytics. So you can basically set a watch on a corporate client or um, a law firm. And so you will basically be alerted if the corporate starts self-filing or starts using another law firm or starts moving more and more business inside or starts, you know, use their filings all together and the same with an agent. So, you know, they told you, yes, we'll send you the work exclusively. You have an alert on them. Might tell you, well, they now started to work with another law firm in your country. So, so basically it's sort of these three pain points that we try and address. That sounds really very useful and interesting to a lot of um, patent law firms. Um, However, we already have talked a long time now, so, um, but you were very generous uh, to offer 
our listeners a free test uh, account, a trial account. Um, so anyone who is registering for our mailing list for um, so to be notified by email for new episodes, they get a free uh, one-week trial um, as long as they are not ex an existing user or client of your tool. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, happy, happy, happy to introduce people. Thanks. Ah, yeah, thank you very much. The link to the trial will be in the show notes. So if you want to get the trial, please head over to ipfridays.com and go to the show notes of this episode. And then you will find the link to get the trial immediately. And um, if people uh, have uh, still questions uh, for either Ray or Doris, maybe start with Ray. Where can they reach you best uh, if they want to know more about business development uh, of IP lawyers and how to, for example, use this tool or use other methods of business development? The best place to reach me would be my law firm email account at rmoser at mtiplaw.com. All right. I'll put that in the show notes as well so people can look that up. And Doris, where can they reach you to get to learn more about filing analytics, Citation Eagle or other tools? Yeah, either either reach out through LinkedIn. I, I won't try and spell my last name because it's a bit difficult, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but you'll put it in the notes. Um, yeah, reach out through LinkedIn um, or if it's a filing analytics specific thing, it's, um, you know, just send an email to filinganalytics at cpaglobal.com. All right. Well, thank you both very, very much for your valuable time. I think uh, our listeners really had a lot of things to take with them and put them into practice and um, maybe even try out filing analytics. Thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, thank you, thanks to you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, Please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com slash feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.